welcome to the Cucumber Podcast. Steve Tuck's out making money for the company this morning, so he's left me in charge of the microphone. This week, we're going to talk about a subject really close to my heart. It's, um, it's about diversity. Specifically, we're going to talk about, talk about diversity at conferences. Um, we've got a couple of people here who, uh, who I've spoken to about this subject, um, and I know care about it too. So um, I'm going to just introduce right now uh, Artie Matanda, who has done, uh, I've known for a number of years, and she's been on the programme committee for Cucup London for, I don't know, what is it, two or three years now? And brought some fascinating, really interesting um, people onto the, onto the conference programme. And Elise, how do I say your surname? Applin? Yay. Uh, and Elise came and spoke at, uh, or ran a session, I should say, ran a, ran a workshop at uh, Cucup Australia last year and we spoke about the the issue of uh, diversity at the conference and um, I asked her would she she come on a podcast and talk about it some more because we only had a limited time for that conversation so this is where we get to carry on the conversation um, and the other person on the pod this week is uh, my colleague and co-conspirator at Cucumber uh, Julian Bisma. did I say your surname right? Almost yeah <laughs> Bismans. Hi. These mans. It's plural. Yeah, and Julian is uh, both French and Belgian um, listeners. Well, he's not actually French. I'm not French. French speaking, but he lives in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, And Julian also works on, in fact, he started, he created from scratch uh, the JavaScript port of Cucumber. And that's how we got to know each other. Um, And he's now my business partner. I never said who I am. I'm Matt Wynn. Um, and welcome to the welcome to the Cucumber Podcast, everyone. So I thought we could kick off just by sort of diving straight into the the why of this, um, and because it, <laughs> the, the, sometimes we see these little dramas on Twitter and things, and people are arguing about um, conferences. There was a, there was a conference recently in in the agile space where this happened, and um, some people will question the entire kind of rationale of why why should one care about having a diverse conference program? Why is it a problem? Um, so I thought we should probably start by addressing that question. Like, what what is wrong with having uh, a conference program that's just, you know, the the best people that, that the conference organisers could find, whoever they happen to be? What do we think about that? I think because that assumes that the best people are straight white men, which I have to disagree with. Not that some of them aren't, but there's a whole world out there with diverse people. You're, you're ignoring 50% of the population right away. So I, I think the answer to that question kind of comes back to why do you attend conferences? Um, you know, and generally it's to kind of listen to a diverse array of opinions, have traditional ideas challenged, um, and really learn from like a breadth of experience that other people have had. And I think when you look at it, you know, if you have a very homogenous group of people talking who have been informed by the same sorts of experiences, being brought up with the same ideas, that it doesn't feel like you're necessarily going to get that, you know, diverse array of ideas and you're not going to be challenged in the same way. So I think even just from that kind of academic perspective, you know, it's not ideal to to have 
a really homogenous panel of people speaking, even without the sort of social context of, you know, do we want to create a rich experience for the people that are attending by having a diverse group of people in attendance? I think one of the best examples of how this affects, and I know this isn't about conferences, but, you know, like when Apple came out with Apple Health, there was nothing in there for women's periods. And, um, you know, you're right away you're ignoring 50% of your population and or your users. And that happens when you don't have a diverse workforce as well. And it all trickles down to that. Well, I had a question because there is a thing that I hear a lot, especially from white men um, in different, uh, mostly development communities, like they're, you know, they're wondering if, uh, you know, pushing diversity uh, in the speakers, um, uh, you know, at conferences, having more, more diverse uh, speakers is like kind of unnatural and will lead to having actually a panel of speakers, which is not reflecting the reality of the community. And some people are really bothered by that. Um, I don't really understand why, but what, what do you think about uh, this uh, thinking? And what would you say to those people? So I think I'm not sure if my aim with every conference that I attend is to see the panel of speakers reflecting the makeup of the industry as it stands now. Um, a lot of the time I'm going there to, you know, to listen to people talk about challenging the status mm. quo and challenging the dominant logic of of the industry, the types of things that we talk about. And I don't think that you can necessarily do that and have a really forward-looking conference and forward-looking ideas if you're constrained by, you know, the current status quo and what the industry looks like now. Um, so that's my feeling on it. I don't think I've ever heard a stated sort of ideal that we should just be mimicking the way the community exists now and making sure all our events just kind of portray that. Um, that might be because, you know, I hope that the structure of the industry as a whole will change and become a more diverse place that's more accepting of people from, you know, different minorities, not just uh, women. That that also is a little offensive to me because it's it sounds like a UKIP, uh, you know, slogan to me where it's like, why why can't we continue having our little boys club and you know why do we have to include other people in this club um this the whole problem is that tech has become this you know old boys network or well young boys network i guess and that's speaking at conferences having diversity at conferences is just one step to changing that and making sure we it's more reflective of the real world yeah I remember, I think it was the last Scottish Ruby conference that they ran, or maybe the, the second last one, and the first keynote, the opening keynote on the first day was by Rachel Myers, who they'd invited. Um, Alan Francis invited her, and uh, Ra Rachel's only been a software developer, like a Ruby developer for, I think, at the time, two years. Um, she was a novice, but they, they gave her a keynote, um, and, you know, you think, like, it's crazy. Like, why would you have someone who's, who's only been, two, been programming for two years telling, telling the, this whole big conference their thoughts? But it was, a, it was a brilliant idea because she's got this really, really fresh perspective. You know, she can tell mm -hmm. you what it's like to be a beginner in your community. She's a great speaker. Um, 
came across really well. Really funny slides, um, and uh, yeah, it was it, you know it was really really good to get like rather than having a kind of established old expert speaking, it was a it was a fresh perspective, and it really, yeah, it kind of really opened my mm. eyes that that's that's what a that's what a conference is about, isn't it? It's about bringing new ideas in. So yeah, looking more broadly is really important. Yeah, like, and, and also playing to the their strengths and, you know, uh, like we, when I approached Charlotte to speak at QCAP, um, they said they were, you know, quite new to speaking at conferences and that they'd like to do a lightning talk, lightning talk instead of a proper 30-minute talk. And we accommodated that and, you know, they gave a really amazing talk. So we also have to cater to the fears, I guess, of newbie speakers and, yeah, and actually the the lightning talks turned out to be a really good idea. So I didn't realise that I'd come from Charlotte's mm-hmm. request because they worked out really well. So thanks for that, Charlotte, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. So actually that's probably also a good, well, like one, one good way, isn't it, of um, kind of allowing people who are new to speaking to get a foothold in it is having a forum like lightning talks at the conference because it allows people to... Just, you know, if you've only got to go on stage for five minutes, it's a lot less of a... And maybe even, you know, you can just decide on the day or your, your mates say, you know, yeah, go on, you do a talk. Um, and so you haven't had the, the kind of overhead of, of sending off a proposal or anything. You can just stand up and speak for five minutes. It's a good way to, to kind of break the ice. Yeah. So, OK, so we understand that it's it's a problem from the point of view of, like, if you're organising a conference and you want it to be uh, a sort of stimulating environment for actually generating new ideas and stuff, it's good to have a broad range of different people um, speaking on stage. I, what else about them? What's the experience? I mean, as as a woman, what's the experience like to be at a conference when kind of most of the people that are standing on stage speaking are, are men? Does it does it make a difference, or, or vice versa? If you go to a conference where the representation is more balanced. Does it make a difference to your experience, you think? So for me personally, I don't know whether it's because I think about this a lot and I care about it a lot, but I immediately notice it. Um, I went to Lean event last week in Brighton and about 40-odd percent of the speakers were women, which was really amazing for a conference. Um, Usually it's, you know, you have a token. If that, if you're lucky, you have a token... um, speaker who's a woman uh, or an ethnic minority so so it was great to have such an amazing lineup and it just proves that there are so many smart people that you can choose from that aren't the stereotypical white men and again this is nothing against white men it's just like there are more people out there and more diverse views that I'd like to hear but like I said I don't know if that's because I'm I care about this that I notice it or if others don't yeah, I probably have a similar experience to Artie in that, you know, this is something that I think about and so therefore is at the front of my mind when I attend events like this. What it actually means for me, though, you know, I've I've been to conferences where the first thing you do when you get in the door is you're given the conference T-shirt, which is, you know, you're pretty excited, you're getting a freebie and, um, oh, sorry, a free thing. I'm not sure a freebie is language that's used outside of Australia. Um <laughs> So you've got something free <laughs> and you're pretty excited about it and then you realise that, you know, it's a men's small and not a lady's small. I'm quite petite, so for me that basically means oh, yeah, I can't yeah. wear it. 
<laughs> yeah. And immediately, like when the assumption is that the people attending the conference are going to be male and you have a realisation moment like this that, oh, the assumption was that I was a man, you start to question whether this is an environment whether where you should be participating or that is welcome to the points of view that you might have because you've grown up with different experiences. Um, and, you know, that feeds on, I think, into how much you then want to participate in the conference. How comfortable are you, you know, participating in a panel or a question time? And even how comfortable are you, you know, heading to the pub after the conference and chatting to people if, you know, you're made to feel that you're not necessarily the demographic that this that this was targeting? Yeah. And it's easy to see how little things like that, like they're not deliberate. No one's trying to deliberately make you feel excluded or unwelcome, but they're just thoughts. It's just when when those things haven't been considered. So I think, you know, that sort of just thoughtlessness, just sort of overlooking these things often is a product of not having women involved in the process of organising the conference. So it's not you know, enough to just think about who do we want to attend, but, you know, who do we want kind of helping us curate this conference and designing it so that we can be putting, you know, all of our customers, in this case, the attendees, at the heart of what we're doing. Yeah, Matt, I don't know if you remember, but last year at QCUP, we had a, you know, pretty diverse uh, lineup. But then on day two, when I looked at the program, I realized that there was only one woman who was speaking and we had all our women speak on day one. And, you know, this obviously wasn't deliberate. And I remember I mentioned it to you and you said this is something that you wouldn't even have realized because, you know, you just didn't notice yeah. these things. Yeah. And it wasn't a pur- something we did on purpose. Which is exactly why it, it, it is an eye opener to me to see how important it, you know, it was to have your perspective in on the inside of the organization because it, you... Yeah, you you were seeing things that I can't see that I'm blind to. Yeah, yeah, and actually that's so. I mean, that kind of takes me onto this other uh, thing I wanted to. I want us to start problem solving on really, and it was kind of where I was going with the um, the conversation I had with Elise in Sydney. Is like, what can we do? Because you know, honestly, I'd like to have fifty fifty representation of the, the speakers at at Q Cup be women. Um, if possible, but I find it hard. I find I have to work harder. So I've made a deliberate effort over the last few years that I've been chairing the program to to find um, find more women, basically, to to speak. Um, and I I have found it's so. What happens is if we do a call for papers, um, almost always, almost all of the submissions are from men. Um, I think last year Ulrika uh, Malmgren may have been the only woman that submitted through the call for papers for London. Um, everyone else that we had on the programme... We had the opening uh, keynote. Uh, we, we, um, so Rachel Davis uh, spoke with her colleague Amy, didn't she, for the keynote, but we'd invited her. Oh, yeah. And what I was going to say was, like, I, I tend to find that I have to invite... Um, in order to get women on, on the program, I have to sort of find them and invite them. And I, I don't mind doing that, but it's, it's just interesting that it's like the, the mechanism of using a call for papers doesn't really seem to be the right mechanism to get a, to get a diverse lineup. It's like if, if you fall back on that mechanism, you're probably going to get what you've always got. And I, I, I'm interested in trying to think about what are the other mechanisms, and, the mechanisms that we can use to, to find speakers. 
what ideas or, or what things have you seen or so some some of the people that I invited this year were just people that I didn't know personally but I followed on Twitter because um, I just found their tweets interesting the work they do interesting and uh, last year and on International Women's Day there was this article about how someone realized that they're the people they follow on Twitter are mostly men, and they, they, that person was a feminist and was quite shocked at this. And I was I was positive that my my Twitter follow list would not be like that. And I took a look, and out of 130 odd people that I was following, only 35 were women, and I was really shocked at that. So I made a concerted effort to find women in technology to follow and read their views as well. And so I just invited a few that I found through this search on Twitter and other things we could do are go to things like Code Bar where uh, it's more focused on diversity and other groups where women and mi minorities are encouraged to participate. Yes, yeah, so I think I, I kind of support everything that, that Artie said and I just wanted to kind of emphasize the idea that, you know, men tend to be more forthcoming with things they think they're competent at, more willing to kind of put up their hand and say, yes, I'm an expert in that field. Um, you know, this is a generalisation, but, you know, that generally women tend to, to sit back more, not be as confident in their, their skills, suffer from imposter syndrome. So that means just doing sort of a public call call for papers isn't something that women or, or women will necessarily feel comfortable responding to. doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have great ideas that they'd love to talk about, but they don't necessarily feel comfortable putting themselves out there in a process like that. Um, that's definitely something that I've, I've felt personally. Um, I didn't respond to the call for papers for QCUP last year. Um, it was only something that I was kind of very peripherally aware of. Um, but I ended up, you know, submitting, submitting a paper with some colleagues that I worked with when we were approached kind of directly with just a, Hey, you know, do you want to, do you have anything you'd be interested in talking about? Um, and it, then it became a much more collaborative process where the three of us kind of partnered up together and that gave me the confidence to submit something where I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. So I think it's really about directly going out. And like you said, Matt, it's a lot more hard work. Um, it's finding those groups that represent women who are in your target audience, you know, finding the meetup groups that are female technologists in your area and letting them know that you're actively seeking papers from people from diverse backgrounds um, and that you were committed to making a conference that is open to all people. I think that goes a long way to making people feel more comfortable saying, yeah, okay, maybe this is something that, that I'm good at or that I'm qualified to, to submit to. I was saying how when I first spoke at QCUP, uh, I would never have volunteered, but my boss at the BBC at that time, Richard, you know, asked if I would speak and I was still terrified, but agreed to speak with a colleague. And so, you know, and then I did, did that twice, spoke with someone twice at a conference. And then this time I spoke on my own, but I only had the confidence to do it because it was a lightning talk. And I was like, you know what, it'll be done in 10 minutes and what's the worst that can happen? Um, so I guess letting people build up that courage to getting there as well helps. Mm. So basically, you, you, when you were told by a man that you had to do the talk, that was what did it for you. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so accustomed <laughs> to this. That's the only way but, I could do it. But seriously, I mean, going back to Elisa's story, like, so what happened was we were organising this conference and on the other side of the world and uh, we'd just done the call for papers and I had literally all of the submissions were from men and I, and I was like, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't want to have a boring conference where all the speakers are men. Um, and I was at Agile, the big Agile conference, and I said to Lisa Crispin, because I know she cares about this problem, um, I just told her, you know, I'm organising this conference in Australia. Do you know any, any women in Australia that might want to speak or might, might be able to help me get connected? And she was like, yeah. And she introduced me to, um, to Sharon um, and uh, to M. Campbell Pretty, who we've had on the pod, um, and like, like, you know, I met them on the day, but then she also kind of brainstormed a whole lot of other people and they connected me to other people as well. So it was immediately like there was, I was, I was into this network of people who, um, who also cared about the problem. Actually the thought works then came through Catherine Kirk, who is Australian. And again, you know, cause I asked, um, she said, well, why don't you talk to ThoughtWorks?" And then, so an email went around ThoughtWorks. But the funny thing about it, I think from, from my point of view as an, as a, man organizing a conference is that I was quite embarrassed to say um we are looking for women speakers I somehow th- I think I I worried that that would come across as patronizing but I mean I'm not trying to say poor me I just think it's yeah it's it's just interesting isn't it that that I, it was almost a barrier to me doing that and actually you, it it was positively uh, it was a it was a welcoming thing. It was a positive thing from your perspective. Yeah, I I think it's understanding that it it can be something that's a little bit worried like scary to do making a call out to a group of people that you don't necessarily identify with um but as a member of that group of people like it's just overwhelmingly positive particularly um when in reality the tech space can be um you know a scary space to be a woman um to then have somebody willing to kind of break out of that idea and just say yeah actually we want you to be a part of this um and I guess it didn't feel patronising in the respect that we were, you know, you, you were saying, you know, we were essentially invited, I guess, to submit. It's not saying, hi, we just want some female speakers, like, do you want to come on it, come to our conference and talk? Um, the feeling that we would go through the same kind of selection process uh, and that we'd be kind of judged as equals, but that we were really valued enough to be part of that process. I think that's where it you know, it didn't feel patronising. It just felt very welcoming. Now you know how Elise and I feel every day in this industry, working with people who aren't like us and having to speak up amongst them. Yeah, I'm worried about saying the wrong thing. And uh, Okay, what's the, where else can we take this? Oh, you know, that. yeah, that was the thing, the thought I had was, um, like, you were talking really excitedly about kind of having uh, outside perspectives and, you know, be, novices standing up and speaking and um, kind of I'm thinking about the Rachel Myers keynote at Scottish Ruby Conference and stuff. And then I'm thinking, but well, hold on a minute, what sells tickets? And what sells tickets, right, is no offence to you, Dan, because I love you, but Dan North sells tickets, like famous, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Famous, um, famous, famous industry expert sells tickets, and it's really tricky. That isn't it? It's like as a conference organizer, because people want pe- people think what they want is a is a big expert. Mm. But but we're not they're not mutually exclusive, though, right? 
I mean, will, will people buy fewer tickets if Dan doesn't do the opening keynote but just has a regular talk and, you know, instead the keynote is by someone new to the industry, like you said, well, newish to the industry, like Rachel Myers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess I just, what I'm meaning is that the the buying public don't necessarily recognise, but I suppose that's just the, the that's just the nature of it, that... Um, you know, we're marketing the conference is one thing and actually putting it on is another thing. And the experience that people get when they come um, can be rich and diverse and interesting. And the the marketing of the conference maybe still needs to be about the, the big names and, you know, the things, the headlines that are going to draw people in. Yeah. It's also a double-edged sword um, because when we went to Lean event, uh, some of my colleagues had also been to, I think, Mind the Product. Um and the speakers were, there were a few speakers that had spoken at Mind the Product as well. And they said that it was the exact same talk. So they didn't really learn anything new or, um, and, you know, so it was disappointing as well. And I, I think a lot of the professional speakers, if that's that's a phrase I can use, do recycle their talks a lot. So it's it's another, you know, advantage to get fresh yeah. new ideas yeah. in. And I think, you know, given that, you know, a conference is not just one speaker, um, you know, that that, you know, your Dan Norths might be your draw card, but you've still got a lot of space to make available to people who haven't necessarily got the same profile, um, you know, and moving forward, building a reputation as somewhere where, you know, the older stalwarts of the industry come but also the new up-and-coming people with you know different ideas come as well and sort of having you know building diversity is one of the selling points that you know the ideas that we have are from all ends of the spectrum um we also talked about childcare, which interestingly as like asked for but um yeah that would be a great thing to do as well provide childcare. i don't know if any conference does yeah that. um one of my great inspirations, actually, for this is um, a conference organised in Scotland up here, Scotland J. Um, uh, Pete, the guy that organises that, is really, really, um, really pushes diversity a lot, and um, he creates a really kind of really friendly, welcoming conference. Um, they get a really good balance of speakers and attendees, um, and it's a really nice atmosphere there. It's a really lovely conference, and um, we sponsored the childcare actually this year because they, they they that's the first first year he's doing it. But they they've organised a crash, so um, even if you're a single parent, you can you can still come along to a conference and uh, and bring your kids with you and put them in a crash. Um, and I think that's that's a really cool that's idea. Awesome. And I think uh, Seb's doing it for the XP conference as well, which is also in Edinburgh. Um, Right, well, that has been a brilliant conversation. I've learned loads, and thank you ever so much for getting up early, staying out late, um, whichever time zone it is that you're in. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, Elise and Artie. And, um, well, uh, we'll we'll be organising uh, the QCUP Sydney conference. If you want to increase the diversity at Sydney and send me there, Matt, I'm open to it. <laughs> and send you to Australia. You're open to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll will you, consider it. Will you do a keynote? Will you do a keynote talk? Tell you what, I actually would for it. <laughs> there we go, Theo. We might just have yeah. our, our conference chair. Obviously, business class. <laughs> oh, oh, I like your style. 
Yeah, this is, that's, that's your way of backing out, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, I'm not backing out. I'm, I'm... <laughs>